0: Hey everyone at Ward Church, my name is Nicole Yunus, and I am so glad to be bringing you the message this morning. Thank you for inviting me into your homes in this crazy season, in a time where, as Pastor Scott talked about, where we we wanna come together for worship. There's also the reality that God is redefining what it looks like to be a part of his church, this invisible movement um, of, of a real spiritual reality. And in this season, As we're all going through a reset, as we're experiencing what is truly a global reset, we wanted to bring a message of what that reset looks like when it comes to our walk with God, when it comes to what it looks like to truly live out our faith. We started this series talking about a seating chart, if you will, this idea that we worship and that happens in rows, and if that's not happening for you yet, God willing, it will happen soon. We are coming, hopefully, to that place where we'll be gathering again, but if you are at home, you're still worshiping, you're still gathering with family or friends and, and sort of focused in the same direction for this period of time. And then last week, we talked about the idea of circles that God has created us to be in community, and I'm so glad to be bringing the conclusion of this message today in a message about the chair, about the personal experience that happens between you and the Lord, this idea that Jesus is inviting us into a personal relationship, into a one-to-one, exclusive, an individual relationship with him. And of course, we know that, right? I mean, some of what we talk about in a reset is we're we're sort of talking about things we already know. But perhaps um, today in the next few minutes, I could just give you a new vision for what it looks like to actually live in that chair, in that experience of devotion with God, and why God designed us for that chair, what he is it's telling us life can look like when we are committed to this exclusive and individual relationship with him. I don't know if you've ever had the experience where a friend of yours wanted to tell you about something that they had been through that you were not a part of, and, and they were giving you everything they could to help you understand what it was like, but at the end of the day, you just had to be there. I recently had a friend who traveled to Disney World, and unlike what I usually hear about Disney World, going with your kids and going to experience uh, life with your kids through this magical place called Disney World, my friend actually traveled with adults. Yes, there are a whole subculture of people out there who love Disney World for all that it is, not just for kids, but for kids of all ages, and my friend went to Disney World just with adults. And when he came home and was telling me about the experience, he was like, there's a new ride. It's the Star Wars ride. And he's w- walking me through. Now, don't get me wrong. I like Star Wars as much as the next person. I'm, I'm not obsessed with Star Wars, but I get it. Like, I'm in. And he's he's walking me through the experience of what this ride was like. He didn't even want to call it a ride because it was more than a ride. And then he had pulled up on YouTube, like, the, the version of how I could – pretend I was in the ride on YouTube. And I'm telling you, it just, it wasn't coming across. I just couldn't get it. And it sort of ended the conversation and I was like, I bet it was really awesome. And he said, I think you had to be there. If you've ever been on like an incredible mission trip or or traveled somewhere out of the country and you come home and you have all these pictures on your phone and you really want people that you love to understand what it was like and you're scrolling through your pictures and you can see their eyes glazing over and you just, in your heart, you're like, you just had to be there. There's something about a personal experience that can transcend our words or our pictures or our videos. It's like, there's just something about totally being in it that's completely different than anything that we could ever translate. And when it comes to an experience with God, I do believe that it is only in our personal experience with God where we can receive full refreshing and equipping for a well-built life. And I I wanna talk through that this morning, this idea that it is only in a personal relationship with God where we can actually experience full refreshing and full equipping for a well-built life. Our message this morning is going to come from a passage that is probably familiar to many of you, but I'd love to look at it with fresh eyes this morning, almost reset our understanding of this passage around what Christ is teaching us. And it comes from Matthew chapter 11, and I'm going to read it to you here. Let me just give you a little context of what's happened up to this point. Um, Jesus has actually been preaching a very difficult message about what is happening in places that are not believing. And he's kind of laying out this reality of if you're, if you're not willing to receive my words, like this is what is happening in you and to you, particularly to religious leaders. And at the end of this passage, It actually says that Jesus began to praise his father in heaven, just like out of the blue. He's like, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. He's like kind of giving this expression of his own personal conversation with his heavenly father. And then he says this, he turns his attention back on those who are listening, and this is in verse 28. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Five times in this passage, Jesus uses the phrase, me or my. When it comes to the why behind an exclusive and personal relationship with God, it comes to the person of Jesus. And the fact that when he makes these invitations, he actually makes them incredibly personal. He says, come to me, like me as a person. Come to me because I will give you rest. He uses this phrase, me, my, and I, and you, over and over again in this passage and in several other places in the Gospels. He's actually making it personal. He wants to make this relationship exclusive. And I like to use the word exclusive almost to just prick your ears a little bit about like, wait, what? What does the word exclusive mean? Number one, it means excluding and not admitting other things. And number two, it means restricted or limited to the person. When Jesus uses personal pronouns for himself and for you, he's inviting you in to an exclusive relationship. The relationship becomes just between us. It's just between us and God. It's in that chair and in that experience where we actually are able to experience the fullness of who God is. It's Jesus himself who said that that would be the way it was. In the person of Jesus Christ, we experience this paradox of a majestic and universal God. This God who created the heavens and the earth, who makes the sun rise upon us, who makes the rain fall down on us. And we also experience the gentle and personal nature of our triune God, our God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. So what is Jesus saying in this passage? If we could slow it down and think about it. The first is right at the beginning when Jesus creates an invitation and he says, come to me. It's personal. But he does give a prerequisite for who can come to him, who should come to him, who would come to him. And this is what he says, come to me, all who are weary. Isn't it incredible that the only prerequisite for coming to Jesus is your anxious, heavy, weary life? The only prerequisite for showing up in front of the God of the heavens and earth is your anxious, weary, confused, burdened, not put together self. Psalm 145, 14 says this, the Lord helps the fallen and lifts those bent beneath their load. There is something about the personal and exclusive nature of an experience of God that does something important, something essential inside of our souls. There's something about coming honestly with our heavy, weary, anxious, confused lives. That is the only prerequisite for experiencing the rest of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, come to me, all who are heavy and weary, and I will give you rest. Isn't it refreshing to know that the first thing that Jesus wants to offer us is rest for our souls? Before he offers us equipping, before he offers us purpose, before he tells us to go and do, he tells us to actually sit and be. Sitting and being comes before going and doing. And if you're like me, you might ask the question, like, why would I ever resist that? It just just sounds so good. It sounds so right. It sounds so powerful. But yet we do resist it. We do avoid it. And um, I think there's a few things behind that avoidance. I started my ministry in student ministry. That was the place where God captured my heart for ministry and sort of just like set me on fire for all that was to come. And I love students. And one of the things I love most about students is that once they trust you, once they believe that you are really for them, they are more honest than any other human on the population. And I remember being on with students on retreats or at camp, And they experience this moment with God in worship or through a message or just because their lives have gotten quiet enough to hear God, and they experience God. And then they know that a quiet time or devotion time or personal experience with God is kind of like the next step. And they're willing, they're willing to be honest enough to ask the question, but how do I do it? I remember a young person in my life asking the question, but how do I rest? (laughs) How do I do it? And and I want to address that question of how, because I think what we need to ask ourselves is actually, why not? Why don't I want this experience? What is more important than this experience? What is distracting me from this experience? What is it that I might not be believing about myself or about God that could be keeping me from staying in that chair, from actually coming to meet with God, to be with him in a daily and abiding and personal relationship with God. Author Brennan Manning says this, the temptation of the age is to look good without being good. One of the things about a personal and exclusive relationship with God is that it's not for public consumption. It's not for show. We don't get the likes and the thumbs up that we get when we show off our religion in other ways. We don't get the affirmation of other people or the approval of any authority that we might like. We don't get the ability to just kind of feel good about the things that we're doing. And in reality, many of the times that we don't want to come into a personal experience with God where we can't get ourselves quiet with God to receive him is because there is something in us that is scared, or that is unsure, or that is ashamed, or that is prideful, something in us that when we actually become still, it is almost overwhelming to deal with the honesty of our souls. And this is where the promise of the gospel of Jesus Christ is the best news that the world has ever received. When Jesus said, come to me because of all the things you are feeling that make you not wanna come to me, Like, I am telling you that those things are the prerequisite for coming to me. And when you come to me, what you're going to receive is not shame. It's not condemnation. It's not a get up and go. It's rest. The very first thing that Jesus offers us in a personal experience with him is rest. After my season of student ministry, and throughout that time, I was also being trained as a counselor, and I entered into a season in my ministry life where I was in um, sort of private practice as a counselor. And I developed my own diagnostic for the health of people's souls. And I would ask the people who would come to my office, um, How are you at being alone? And what I meant by that is, How are you at being alone? No distractions, no TV, no phone, no work, no books. How are you at being alone? And more often than not, those who were anxious, those who were depressed, those who were confused were also entirely uncomfortable with actually being still. It says in scripture, Isaiah chapter 30, this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and rest is your salvation, in quietness and trust is your strength, but you would have none of it if you are feeling like it is hard for you to be still right now, I think the question is not, how do I learn to do that? How do I learn to rest? But what is keeping you from being still? And could you start by bringing that to Jesus, by bringing the very things that are keeping you from being still to your heavenly Father, to Jesus Christ who promises to walk alongside of us and give us rest? Personal experiences with God create the refreshing and equipping for a well-built life. And the first thing we receive is that refreshing. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That's the second time God promises rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So if God offers us refreshing in his presence. And I am going to talk about the how, like how to actually start or to start again. If God offers us refreshing in his presence, he also offers us equipping in his presence. The idea of a yoke, take my yoke upon you, is an instrument of work. It is an instrument of moving. In fact, you do not become yoked in a chair. It's actually when you leave the chair, when you stand up, if you can imagine two oxen yoked together to do the work, what Jesus is saying is that I'm I'm inviting you to make your life my classroom. And I want to be your teacher who is yoked with you as you walk through your life. We sit in the chair to receive the refreshing, but we take the yoke upon us and go into our life and receive equipping. Jesus told a parable in Luke chapter 6 that applies here. It's in verse 46. It says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and then don't do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid foundation on the rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. You see, God doesn't call us to the chair so we can stay in the chair. God calls us to the chair so that we can experience rest for what was the prerequisite, our anxious and weary souls, so that we can take his yoke upon us, so that we can learn from him in the classroom that he calls our life. When we're talking about the chair, we're not just talking about the chair, We're talking about the chair and every step you take out of that chair in every day of your life. Because what Jesus said was, come to me with your burdens. In that place, you will take my yoke upon you. From that place, we will go out and practice. In January, we are gonna start a series on Bible study from my latest book called Help, My My Bible is Alive. We're gonna talk about what it looks like to actually hear the Word of God and have foundational knowledge for a well-built life. How do I do that? How can I practice knowing God's Word in a way that allows me to take it out into my life, that fully equips me? So if, if this is a place where you wanna grow, I am so excited for what that's gonna mean for us in January as we travel through that as a church. But for now, let me give you a picture of what that looks like. When Jesus said that those who build their foundation upon the word, those who who build their foundation upon my life is like a well-built life, like a like a strong foundation. It reminds me of our very first home that my husband and I bought. It was a, a house that was built in the 50s. And we were young. And obviously, when you buy your first house, you know, just this like incredible marker in your adult life, if you have the opportunity to do so, because you, you feel that sense of like, this is the biggest financial decision we've ever made. And when you sit down to sign all of those papers, you really are like, I guess we're Grown-ups now, you know. And so we were feeling all of that and feeling some of the insecurity of that. And we were buying an older home. And so there was a lot of systems and a lot of things that we felt like could have gone wrong. And uh, my husband's father came down to visit. And I remember he said specifically, those are good beams. And, and he was talking about he had gone up down into the cross place up into the attic. And he was like, those are good beams. This is a well-built house. And the reality is it was, a house, it was a house that was old. And so there were things about it on the exterior that were maybe shabby, maybe needed an upgrade or an upfit. but the house had good beams. The house was well-built, and the confidence that he had because we were choosing a well-built house meant that the things on the outside that weren't quite what we wanted them to be weren't nearly as important. And in God's design, a shabby exterior can conceal a powerful strength. And a shiny outside can also cover a very fragile inside. And in rows and in circles, that may not become very evident. But in the chair, in the personal place, in the quiet place, in the still place, there is a space there where we become fully ourselves, where we are able to be fully knowledgeable of the good and the bad of the hard and the strong, of the weak and the fragile and the broken down places in us where what Jesus promises is rest and what Jesus promises is presence. Because when he yokes himself to us, when he creates an invitation where he says, take my yoke upon you, he's saying, let me walk with you through your life as you put into practice what it means to be well built. As we return to that passage, there's another point here that is so uh, beautiful for our knowledge today, and that is this, that Jesus, in addition to giving us a prerequisite for who we need to be to come to him, he also gives conditions for why we should trust him. And what Jesus says in this passage is all the reasons that you should come to him and all the reasons that you should trust him to be the one who walks through life with you is because he is gentle and humble in heart, Jesus gives his credentials not on his perfection, although he was perfect, not with his power, although he was all powerful. What he chooses is his positioning. He says, it's not because of my perfection that I'm asking you to follow me. It's not because of my power that I'm commanding you to follow me. It's because of my positioning in my heart that I'm inviting you to follow me. Oh, how great the love of our Father, that he would condescend to come to us, to look us in the eye, to walk with us in our life, to know in full reality the condition of our souls, and to actually create that as the prerequisite for coming to him. He gives the conditions of his approval. In John chapter 6, verse 37, Jesus said this, all those the Father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me i will never drive away in the original language in the greek it's 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 more like a, a double or a triple negative it's like no never not ever ever it's like jesus is saying whoever comes to me i will never no no not ever ever drive away it's a completely unconditional statement whoever No matter what, no matter how, no matter when, no matter how long it takes you, no matter how far you've gone, he will never, ever, never drive that person away, whoever comes to him. The gentleness of Christ's heart, coupled with the faithfulness of his love, allows us to come safely to him with our burdens. The other thing I learned in student ministry was that the most important way To express the grace of Jesus Christ is to keep showing up. The way that students and the way that I think all of us are loved into believing that God is actually who he says he is, is when we just keep showing up. We show up in the hard times and we show up in the good times. And we especially show up in the times when that person has turned away or rebelled. We just keep showing up because that's what grace does. And I think that no matter if you are 13 or 33 or 63, there is a student in all of us who needs to know that God keeps showing up. Because when the wheels have come off, that's when love is actually proven. Love becomes love when we experience someone loving us at our worst, not at our best. And the place that we experience that is when we allow ourselves to come to Jesus who says and proves what his words have told us, the good news that he keeps on showing up and that the invitation is always open. God based his love on his own guarantee that through Christ's willing sacrifice, we can trust what he has said. First John 3.16 says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. He actually proves his words with his own life, he, he, he can't say it any other way. It's like Jesus was like the first one to say, cross my heart and hope to die. This is what I mean, I love you. And I've proven my love for you because of the cross. And because of the cross, you can trust my words. You can trust that I actually do mean it when I say, come to me no matter what, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and let your life be my classroom. And we can put into practice these words that I have given you. So if you aren't weary, if you aren't anxious, if you aren't burdened, if you aren't lonely, if you aren't discouraged, if you don't need rest, if you think life is going just fine the way it is, then this message is not for you. But if you quiet your soul, and if in the cover of night, Or if in the margin of solitude, you experience a deep sense of longing. If you know fear deeply, if you know suffocating anxiety, if you keep finding yourself looking for an escape, but your escape buttons aren't working anymore, then today is the day that you can experience a reset in the deepest and most critical and most essential parts of your being in your soul. Jesus said, as for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, then you will be creating a foundation for a well-built life. So I want to invite you this week to reset your soul in that chair, in that personal experience with God. All it takes is about 10 minutes. And here's how I would encourage you to kind of set up that 10-minute experience. Um, come, hear, and practice. So Jesus says, come to me, all who are anxious, all who are weary, come to me and sit with me. I encourage you to just, even if you have to put a timer on your phone and and then throw the phone far away from you, sit still and invite God to be with you. And just sit still and be. Come to me, all who are weary. Hear from me. Jesus says, hear my words. Read a little bit of scripture. Read somewhere, read a psalm. Reread the words that we've shared today. Read anything in scripture. Just anywhere, just read it and then stand up and put the yoke on you and actually practice. Jesus didn't say, come to me so you can do it perfectly. He didn't say, come to me so that you can do it in a way that is um, the most powerful. He said, come to me to practice. Let's practice together. Let's practice what it looks like to experience a well-built life. In the early days of the church, in a sort of a revival period, before we would say, "I, you know, my salvation, I got saved, or I met the Lord, or I was born again, one of the phrases that people used to say was, I have been seized by the power of a great affection. My hope and my heart for you this week is that you might experience the power of a great affection for you, to you. And that you might be seized again or seized for the first time with that great and lavish love that the Father has for you right there in a personal experience in the chair. Let's pray. Jesus, you say, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And God, just even in the stillness of this moment in our homes or as we're driving or working or Receiving this word, would you help us to to still our bodies and our minds for a moment, to receive this beautiful truth that you are this perfect and powerful God, but you actually position yourself with us as gentle and humble in heart, and that you invite us in our weariness, in our anxiousness, in our restlessness, in our pride, in the ways that we think we have it together and in the ways that we know that we don't you invite us to come to you, to be with you, to hear from you, and then to put your words into practice. May it be so for us this week, and may we continue to stretch toward that well-built life all throughout the days you give us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everyone.